This is Looking for Christ, a podcast that seeks to deepen faith as we look for Christ in all of Scripture. My name is Zach, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Oren. And today, we are going to be in Jonah chapter 2, and uh, here we go. It's nine verses. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around, wrapped about my head. Uh, At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Sal- I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Okay, so here we are in Jonah two. Uh, Jonah has been thrown overboard from the ship uh, on the Mediterranean somewhere on his way to flee to Tarshish. Um, he has been swallowed by a fish, it tells us at the uh, end of chapter 1. And here he is in the belly of the fish, uh, praying um, a, a prayer. Uh, what, what, what I believe is actually happening here is Jonah's recounting this prayer. I'm sure, pretty po- sure he didn't have... It's poetic, right? Can, That's why you're thinking yeah, it's that. Very, it's very poetic. He wasn't writing this down as he's hanging out in the belly of the fish. It's not like he had a pocket with pen and paper in it, probably. So... Um, so he's remembering this encounter with God, essentially, where he went, you know, down into the into the water. The fish swallows him, and he's calling out to God in this this distress. He's distressed by the situation he's in. Of course, he is. He's been swallowed by a fish. Who wouldn't be distressed, right? He is. Um, he's praying to God for help. So there's a there's a a a, a real sense. It's almost palpable, kind of like desperation any of us can put ourselves in the situation that Jonah is in and think I would be so desperate and if you if you take note of where he is the only hope he had was God there was no escape there was no climbing out he was done if it not if it were not for for God's mercy only God's mercy could deliver him and, and so he's crying out to God out of his distress, and God answered him. So we know the answer came by the fish vomiting Jonah up onto the shore, as we see in verse 10. And so Jonah's recounting this. He sees God's faithfulness. He cries from the depths of Sheol, he says, from the grave, essentially. I'm dying. I'm going to die. And it says that God heard his voice. And when I when I was, was studying this and, and, and thinking on it, it's it's a, it's a good reminder of the fact that God God hears the prayers of desperate people. Mm. You don't have to be 
up to a certain level of righteousness or obedience. God hears the prayers of desperate people. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how bad things may be. It doesn't matter what you've done. You could be at your the end of your rope, the very last thread of that rope. God is listening. God hears his people pray. And so the encouragement here is you may feel like you're in a, a bit of a of a Jonah situation and you feel like this this terrible thing in your life has swallowed you up maybe. God hears you. But you notice what Jonah does in verse 3 and beyond. He he examines and admits why he's there. For you, he says, had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. So Jonah recognizes that what he's going through is the result of God's hand, not the result of the fishermen, but that God's done this to him to cast him into the deep, to get him to this place where he wants to see the Lord again. So in verse 4, he says, Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. So Jonah is basically admitting here, if I'm going to see the temple, it will only be by the hand of God. He knows he has to be saved. The waters encompassed him. The gulf, uh, the great deep engulfed him. The weeds were wrapped around his head. He's describing death here. Drowning was very often a... Um, a description of death. So Jonah's saying, I'm dying, I'm going to die, I'm fainting away, only the Lord can save me here. And what this reminds me of is um, salvation is always sweetest to those who know they need it, right? Like when you know you need to be saved, and then God saves you, God rescues you, redeems you, it's so much sweeter, right? Um and, and, and so Jonah's, Jonah's looking ahead going, if I'm going to worship in the temple, if I'm going to praise the Lord again, it's only by his mercy that I'm going to do this. He's going to have to bring me up out of this pit. Um, but, but if that takes place, when that takes place, I will sacrifice to you. I will appraise you with a voice of thanksgiving. He says, I will pay my vow to you. Well, what was that vow? Well, that vow was to do as the Lord commanded, essentially. He was a prophet. He was surrendered to the Lord to do the work of God. And so Jonah knows he has to now do what he's commanded to do, which is to go to Nineveh. And so what we see here is Jonah's understanding that he's where he is because of God's hand at work in his life. It's brought him to a very low place. Only God can deliver him. God hears his prayer out of desperation. And God saves him because Jonah knew the only way for him to be saved was by trusting in the Lord. Yeah, I, I'm... Man, I, I'm picking up everything that you were picking up as well. I love the idea that it almost seems like Jonah 2 is teaching us that we have to be brought low yeah. to experience the grace of God. Because yeah. Jonah couldn't pray this prayer in chapter 1. No. It was, it was those, I'm not going to those Assyrians. In fact, I'm running away from you, God. I'm going as far mm -hmm. as I physically can to get away from this task you've given me. And and it's because it's not because he was afraid of what we talked about this la uh, the last episode. It's not because he was afraid they were what they were going to do to him. It was because no. they don't deserve right. your love. He hated Nineveh. He hated Nineveh, yeah. yeah. And now that he's brought low, it's exactly <clears throat> what you said. He can see his own need for God's love and grace and mercy yeah. in his own life. Um, there's a verse in Matthew chapter 10 verse 39. Uh, it says, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And in a very real sense, yep. Jonah, yep. who's losing his life, 
has found it in the Lord. Yep. Yep. Um, and so it's this idea of being having to be brought low to experience the grace and mercy of God. Because the reality is we all, every person needs that grace, love, and mercy. Absolutely. It's just coming to the realization that we, that we do, in fact, need it. Yeah. Yeah, the the pride has to be removed or, or brought down so you can see your, your actual need. And so what it took was for Jonah to end up in this fish, which is really God's mercy to him, to not kill him, to not allow him to die, but to preserve his life. So he gets to this place of desperation. And you've heard the saying, you never know God is all you need till he's all you've got. Mm. And so John was at that point where he'd run, he'd done his thing, he'd tried to get away. And now he's at a point where God is all I've got now. Mm. He's, he's everything. He's the only thing I have. And what's really interesting, if you think about it, Jonah struck out from Joppa to go to Tarshish to, to get away from God's presence. Now he is at a point where he's pleading for God's presence. Like God brought him back to where he needed to be to start. Pleading for God's presence. He want, he's, he's admitting his actions have led him away from the presence of God, and now he's regretting that. So he's crying out to God, for God to draw near to him to save him because he needs God's presence in his life. And well, what's what I, beautiful what there... Seen, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead go, no, 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 you go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say what's beautiful there is Jonah flees as far as physically possible to get away from God. So yep. Jonah's fleeing, and what do we see God doing? God's pursuing. pursuing God, yep. God is in the place where Jonah says, he cannot be here. I'm fleeing. Mm-hmm. He can't find me here. And yet God is with Jonah. Yeah, I think yeah. of, you yeah. know, this is sort of a, a narrative we see through many biblical characters where they, they're mm-hmm. having to be brought mm-hmm. low. Uh, one of the instances I think of is Joseph. And mm-hmm. in each, you know, awful scenario that Joseph encounters one of the promises that yep. we read. It's a little snippet. It's like five words. I don't know how many words I haven't counted it, but it's like, and the Lord was with him or, and God was with yep. him. It was something to that effect that it, as low as Joseph had to go, as low as Jonah is here, God is with him. Yeah. And what's baffling yeah. to me and what struck, struck to was, I couldn't help but notice was the confidence Jonah has when he's reaching out to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. That that the there's almost an assurance there that the Lord will answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's he's at this place of desperation, but like you said, he has this kind of faithful confidence that God's going to do this. Now, the way it's written in the English, it it sounds like he's kind of presumptive about it, but in the Hebrew, from what I could tell, it's not so presumptive or assuming God's going to do this. Um, it's more like God, if you do this or oh, when you okay. do this kind of, kind of thing. So he's not presuming God's going to save him. He's, he knows he doesn't deserve to be saved. He mm. knows he doesn't deserve to be delivered. So what's interesting, and I I, I, I think about this when, as, as a parent, Some, sometimes God lets us have what we want. So God let Jonah kind of get away a little bit. Yeah, that's Romans 1. Feel, yeah, to feel that distance. Yeah, he wanted he wanted him to feel that longing to be in fellowship with God, which I think is what what's in view here when he talks about worshiping him at the temple again. Jonah, that's where Jonah fellowship with God. That's where you worshiped God was at the temple, and so Jonah's not just needing to be rescued; he wants to fellowship with the Lord again. I believe, and so God gives him what he wants. He he senses and feels that distance 
cut off from the Lord and now he's crying out for it again. I gave the illustration in the sermon when I preached this text about like when a five-year-old says that they're going to run away from home. Yeah. And you're like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll help you pack, you know, and you go to their room and they have like a pair of underwear, some socks and six stuffed animals and they put the suit, zip the suitcase up, right? And they get outside, they get on the driveway and they start looking around. Even a five-year-old's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Who's going to feed me? Where am I going to sleep? Like they begin yeah, to realize yeah. this isn't such a great deal, right? So this is where Jonah is. He's 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 realizing being separated from God is a is bad for me. And it's not just that I'm being punished. I am cut off from the Lord. So his references to Sheol and the pit and the grave are that sign like I'm coming to an end and I will never get the fellowship with God again. And so his desperation is actually, I believe, is fueled by he wants to be in fellowship with God. And he knows the only way that's going to happen is if he survives and then obeys the Lord and does what God calls calls him to do. Jonah yeah. is the anti-hero here. He's not the, an example for us, but what we're seeing in him is the way that God uses weak, selfish, prideful people sometimes to carry out his will. Yeah, he's certainly not an example for us, but he is us. <laughs> he yes, is exactly. me. Yeah, yes. I am him. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned yeah. Romans 1, and I think a better framework, because <laughs> I think Romans 1 is more geared towards unbelievers. I think probably a better framework is viewing this in the same terms as like the, the prodigal son. Like the yeah. father doesn't keep the prodigal son from, from going. Uh, right. In fact, the son goes. And when the son comes back, he comes back and says, you know, I, I forget the exact words, but, you know, I'll work for you. I'll, I'll, I'll pay off. I don't, you don't have to treat yeah. me as a son. I'll come back as a, mm -hmm. as a servant. But what does the father do? He runs after him. He grasps yeah. him up in a hug. And that's, that's, mm -hmm. a, <laughs> that's essentially yeah. what we see uh, God doing here for Jonah in a, in a different context. Exactly. exactly. You and know, you mentioned... There's a, Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, got, I was just going to say, point to make. yeah, you mentioned that, um, I think this is the last thing I had. Um, you mentioned the temple. Jonah's, Jonah's looking towards the temple. And there's a really yeah. interesting verse in Exodus. It's 25, 22. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two yep. cherubim that are on the mm -hmm. ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. And so Jonah knows it's not just this beautiful, elaborate building, but Jonah knows that's where, uh, that's where atonement is made for me. That's where yep. Yep. sacrifice is made for me. And it's, it's the sacrifice of another. It's, I can't, uh, I can't do this. A sacrifice must be made. I'm looking to the temple, to this mercy seat. I am absolutely... Yeah banking on there being mercy here uh, yeah, uh, and someone yeah. else, which points us to Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, we bank on this mercy seat. When we, when we go to mm -hmm. God, uh, Christ has gone before us. He's died the death that we deserved. He's lived the life that we should have. And now what the Protestant reformers called the great, uh, what is it, the great transferal or the great exchange? The great exchange, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. where we get Christ's righteousness and mm -hmm. he gets our sinfulness. That's yeah. what Jonah's looking so, to when he's looking to the temple. So it's beautiful you bring this up because you can see the Christological contrasts in all these these texts. Okay, so so if you take Jesus as the the perfect Jonah, the one that obeyed the Lord and did what God called him to do, so. Jonah was cast out of the boat because of his sin. Jesus was cast out by God for our sin. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, Jonah was expelled. Jonah says in in um, in verse four, "You have expelled me from your presence." Jesus chose to be expelled. He laid his life down to 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 so that we could be brought into the presence of God. Um, in verse five and six, uh, death engulfed Jonah. He was encompassed by death. Jesus was encompassed by death. The difference being, Jonah deserved to be there. We deserve to be there, but Jesus did that for us. Um, he, he, Jesus even said in Matthew 26, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me as he spoke to his disciples. So even when he knelt to pray, Jesus knew the grave was slowly beginning to swallow him in a way. He was giving his life up. And then in verse 7, Jesus' prayer comes before God. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So Jonah's calling out for himself. Jesus is calling out for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, Jonah says, if you save me, basically, I will make sacrifice to you with a joy, with a voice of thanksgiving. The vow which I made, I will pay. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the vow of vow to pay. He vows to pay with his life mm-hmm. for the sake of sinners so that we could make sacrifices of thanksgiving to God. And so you see this fulfillment of all of Jonah's failure and then all the reasons why he was in the belly of this fish praying this prayer. You see Jesus fulfill all that perfectly. He didn't deserve what he endured. He endured it for our sake because we could not bear that that weight, that sin ourselves, that debt we owed. And so all of the foolishness of Jonah is the wisdom of God in Christ. Mm. All of the all of the ugliness of Jonah's disobedience and rebellion is the beauty of Christ's obedience to do the will of the Father even to the point of death. And so the imperfection of Jonah can be con- directly contrasted. He's the anti-hero, essentially. Yeah. Jesus is the hero because he's the perfect fulfillment. And even to verse 10, where the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah up, Jesus even talks about the sign of Jonah as resurrection. Yeah. That Jonah, I believe Jonah probably died and was mm. resurrected. I think mm. he died in the belly of the fish, and God brought him back to life. And I think that's that that symbol, the sign of Jonah. Jesus affirms is the resurrection. Mm. And so when when he when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, "Give us a sign," I will give you one sign, the sign of Jonah. And they would have wow. known what that meant. Yeah. And so so I just I love the fulfillment of Jonah's story in perfection by Jesus. And so. To tie that back to where we started, because Jesus did all of these things, because he fulfilled it all perfectly, you, when you trust him, you now have access to worship God, to praise mm-hmm. God, to pray to God, to serve God, to love God. Christ opens all that up to you so that you are not swallowed by Sheol. You're not swallowed by distress. You have this reality that because of what Christ has done, God the Father will never cast you overboard because Christ was already cast overboard for you. And so just don't, don't ever forget that reality of what Christ has done to, to purchase for the glory of God his people so that we can live in fellowship with him. Amen. That is a good place to end. And until next time, Lord, help us to turn our eyes to Jesus. Amen.